The North Carolina front court has been plagued with injuries all season long, and it's got me wondering, how might this season turn if Carolina could get Baycott, Nance, and Jalen Washington all healthy at the same time? You are Locked on Tar Heels, your daily podcast on the UNC Tar Heels, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, what's going on? It's Thursday, January 19th, 2023. I want to welcome you into the Locked on Tar Heels podcast, the only daily North Carolina show out there. I'm your host, Isaac Shade, and I want to thank you for joining us today. Coming up on the show today, we're going to get you ready for Carolina women's basketball team hosting Duke. Yes, Duke tonight in Carmichael, massive matchup and discuss a couple of Carolina's newest wide receivers in the transfer portal. You know Drake May is a happy man. But before we get to all of that, I want to start today by talking about the issues with front court health. Now, right off the bat, let me say this. There is a massive difference between excuses and explanations. Carolina's injuries in the front court cannot and should not be an excuse for their losses because that is something that every team in the nation is dealing with in some level, some various degree is like, Hey, we're hurt. We're banged up, whatever it may be. And so I'm not going to use that as an excuse for the Tar Heels, but it certainly can be an explanation to help unpack at least a little bit of why things aren't where the Tar Heels hoped or expected they would be at this point. For example, Carolina has three losses in ACC play. Virginia Tech, literally no Armando Baycott in that game. The game at Pittsburgh, where Pete Nance is essentially unavailable down the stretch because his back is acting up. And then against uh, UVA a week or so ago, where Armando Baycott essentially didn't play the entire game either. Those are your three Carolina losses. Now, hear me not saying if, if those guys had been healthy and in those games, that Carolina would have won them. There are other issues as well. For example, at Pittsburgh, Carolina didn't uh, close at the end of the first half, and they could have put Pitt away then, right? So there, there are those things. But again, just hear me say these are explanations. But here's the thing. Even if you don't win all three of those games, let's say Baycott is healthy for the Virginia Tech and Virginia games. You got to feel good about winning those. Or even if like, hey, Virginia, it's just too much and Carolina still wouldn't have won. Okay, if Nance is healthy, you feel like you could have won at Virginia Tech and at Pittsburgh. If you had won two of those three that you lost, you're sitting at seven and one in ACC play instead of five and three. Try that on for size. It feels a little bit different. I'm underselling that. It feels a lot bit different because if you're seven and one, you are tied atop the ACC standings with Clemson. Instead, the reality of five and three, I don't know if you feel like I do, but it feels like North Carolina has a lot of work to do to claw their way back up on top of the heap. Now, they absolutely can do that, but the problem is with banged up front court the way it is, it's tough to do. Let's let's go back through the timeline of it a little bit. Jalen Washington missed the first nine games of the season rehabbing. Armando obviously has been in and out essentially all season long or in but banged up with various ailments to his lower body, the the ankle issues, 
Um, not just the more recent one. Remember, there was one earlier in the season as well. And then that shoulder injury he sustained that's clearly, you know, that that nags at you for a long time. We already mentioned Pete Nance's um, back issues down the stretch at Pitt. Then the very next game, he tweaked it like less than two minutes into the game and then missed the next three games even after that. And let's not forget, I haven't even mentioned Will Shaver's name. And while he was not expected to play or contribute much this season, he certainly probably would have had to step in at, uh, like in the Virginia game, for example, when Baycott's out, those kind of things. But um, he broke his foot in December and is done for the year. And that's your front court, those four guys. It's been a revolving door of health. And then on Tuesday, leading up to the Boston College game, we get this glimmer of hope, like, Hey, Mondo's not clearly not going to be full strength back on his ankle, but he's he looked good enough um, against Louisville, right, on Saturday to do what he needed to do. Um, Washington's been in and playing well, and uh, looks like Pete Nance is warming up. He's going to give it a go. Yes, all three of these guys in the front court, we're going to be able to have a rotation. There you go. Great news. Oh, I'm so sorry. Jalen Washington sprained his ankle in shoot around on Tuesday. You know, like that is what this season has been for the front court. And you look at other positions on the roster. Backcourt has been mostly healthy. You had DeMarco Dunn's broken hand. Um, RJ Davis had that finger issue earlier in the season, which as Pat Kilby said on yesterday's show, uh, as that heals, you see how much better he's shooting. But Dunn's back in. Things are great there uh, at the the wings. You know, I know Puff missed some of the early part of the season, but but he's back. And, uh, you know, obviously Leakey's doing OK. I know they've kind of had some load management on him this season, but it's really it's just the front court. And so here's the bottom line in this whole thing for me. You might disagree. I'd love to hear if you disagree with me on this. If UNC's front court can get healthy, and by that I mean the three-headed thing of Armando Baycott, Pete Nance, and Jalen Washington, watch out. Because if they could have cohesion and put it all together, Mondo doing his thing, which he's going to do, clearly, whether he's banged up or 100%, he's going to be in there as much as he humanly possibly can. That man's pain threshold, his tolerance for pain has to be so high. Pete Nance finding his way, even when it seems like you know, he's not contributing a ton. There's a lot of little things he's doing as well. And then what that allows Jalen Washington to do now that he's healthy and, and really was starting to work his way in is it allows him, let me make some comparisons. I'm not saying any of these are the same player, but, but it's similar. It allows Jalen Washington to be Marvin Williams behind Sean May and Jawad Williams. It allows him to be Ed Davis or Tyler Zeller behind Tyler Hansborough and Deion Thompson, or it allows him to be Tony Bradley behind Kennedy Meeks and Isaiah Hicks. Any recollection of what any of those three teams were that I just mentioned? Yeah, that's a high-level NBA player behind your starting front court in a national championship season. Now, I'm not saying that that's what Carolina is going to get to, but that's the type of recipe and makeup they've had in those years. The starting experienced guards with an uber uber talented freshman behind them, whether it was Marvin Williams, Ed Davis, Tyler Zeller, or Tony Bradley. And obviously, as I said, they all did it and do it different ways, but you, you see how that kind of makeup comes together. And so for me, like, let's get this going. Pete back in Armando. Good. Let's get Jalen Washington's ankle back healthy and get him 15, 20 minutes a night spelling either Armando or Pete. You need it. Now, 
the good news is that Carolina does get a lift. One of the things that was interesting to me is I had tweeted after the Virginia game, hey, the good news is that even if Armando's not ready to go, your next two games are Louisville and Boston College. You feel like you can sit Armando at that point, let him uh, be okay, get Jalen Washington in, get, get Pete back in maybe, and then you'll be okay. Well, Carolina got the unexpected lift of Armando as just a dude. And so instead of being out in those two games, Louisville and Boston College, he plays and he averages 17 and six, six, 17 points and 16 rebounds just doing Armando Baycott stuff. Now he's got a couple days to rest up that ankle heading into the home game against rival NC State. As Sam Hickman said to me on Twitter in the aftermath of all of this and Mondo finishing off Boston College, the dude is just an absolute unit. And, and it's true. Mondo is a guy we're going to look back on and just, I, I've told you the other day, appreciate him while he is still in Chapel Hill. Well, the thing is, all three of these guys are some level of banged up. Mondo's ankles, the, the shoulder's probably still bothering him. Obviously, Pete Nance's back isn't fully good, and, and Jalen's dealing with this ankle. You got to get these guys right. You got to get them going. Massive opportunities ahead for the Tar Heels, but they need their front court to be in good shape. That's what I'm watching for in kind of the weeks ahead. Now, coming up. Like I said, the Carolina women's team is hosting Duke tonight, Thursday in Carmichael. We're going to get you ready for that in just a second. What a big rivalry game. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for sports betting info, stats, news, and analysis. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From the pro football playoffs to college and professional basketball, they got it all at Bet Online. So make sure to check out the line for that game against NC State on Saturday. Bet Online is always the fastest and easiest way to get your betting info. So head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about all the trends in action. Bet Online, where the game starts. Oh, Okay, I also want to say thanks again for making Locked on Tar Heels your first listen. For your next one, check out the brand new podcast on our network, Locked on College Basketball. Everything you need to know about college basketball in one place. Plus, hear from big name experts, insiders, coaches, and players. Locked on College Basketball, available now on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. All right, Carolina women, rough start in ACC play. Oh, and three. You don't love it and you want to see better, but they have responded in a massive way. Wins over two top 11 opponents in Notre Dame and NC State sandwiched around a road win midweek last week over Virginia. And so for Courtney Banghart's team at this point, the conference record says three and three, and that's not uh, awesome or sexy or enticing in a vacuum, but you look at it. Tar Heels are on a three-game winning streak. They're on the come up, and now they have a chance to not only move above 500 in ACC for the in ACC play for the first time this season, but also to put a cherry on top of a vicious streak of games that they've been on. Listen to this: three of the past four games, including this Duke game, are against top 13 teams in the AP poll. Four of the last six games are against top 13 teams in the AP poll. And five of the last eight for the Tar Heels are against top 20 teams. And so when you look at it with that context surrounding it, you can understand a little bit more of this three and three start in ACC play. 
And then on top of all that, it's made all the more massive because this one is Duke. And I know you, you know, you play every game like it's just a game, but let's just admit it. Everyone can know it. These games are just a little bit different. That's how we do it. So Carolina had a four game losing streak. They're on a three game winning streak. Can they offset that four game losing streak now with a four game winning streak by knocking off Duke? And here's the thing. If you can do that after that murderer's road that they just went through that I talked about, Carolina gets a nice breather the next two weeks. Remember, Carolina's playing this entire season. Uh, literally, conference play is Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, Thursday, Sunday, nine straight weeks. So after they wrap up Duke, that stretch I just talked about, the next four, Georgia Tech, Pittsburgh, Clemson, and Virginia. And here's why that is a breather and a respite. Those four teams are four of the bottom six in the ACC standings right now. And in fact, the first three of them, Georgia Tech, Pitt, and Clemson, are three of the bottom four. Georgia Tech's at the bottom of the ACC, Pitt's next to last, and Clemson is fourth from last. But they got to get by Duke first, and that's what we're here to talk about. So Tar Heels hosting the Blue Devils Thursday, January 19th, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time, inside Carmichael on ACC Network. But better yet, as I often say, go to Carmichael, get loud. Let's get back-to-back sellouts in there. They sold it out against NC State on Sunday. Let's get another one tonight, Thursday, versus Duke. Here's the Blue Devils of it. They're 6-0 in ACC play, atop the conference standings, the only undefeated team in conference play in the ACC, 16-1 overall. In that lone loss, it's to UConn. You ever heard about them? They're awesome in women's basketball. So that's understandable. Here's the thing with Duke. They are not as tested as the Tar Heels are. Carolina, as we've talked about, has played many, 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 many games against ranked opponents. For Duke, in addition to UConn, have only played one other ranked team. That's NC State. Now, granted, that was a true road game for Duke, and they waxed the Wolfpack in that game. Crushed them like a grape. So, uh, we we don't... Duke hasn't been as tested, but they've responded well to those tests. So, we'll see what happens tonight. For Duke, Celeste Taylor, guard the engine that makes them go. Leading score at 12.9 points per game. Not not a ton of points, but she's leading them. Also has 2.3 steals per game. So Carolina's got to find a way to defensively stymie her and get her off her game. Duke plays great defense, kind of like NC State did. So expect maybe something of a grinded out game in this one. That's just the nature of what it's going to be. In terms of the net rankings, Duke's ninth, Carolina's 20th. Um, and so, man, you really want to get this win, continue building that NCAA tournament resume that Carolina's got some great marks on already. Well, as we always do with game previews, I want to give you my W2W4, the what to watch for. What to watch for things. Number one is don't wait. Why do I say that? Carolina has been just messing with us. The, the women's team has where they've been relying on these second half surges to put a game away or to win it as they did in the Notre Dame game. So what I'm watching for, can Carolina get things going at home, get out to a good first half lead and then push it even further out in the second half. Want to see that happen. Number two, the zone. 
Coach Banghart has been going to something of a 3-2 zone, particularly in the second half with Alyssa Usby up top. She's such a versatile, dynamic player that she's great at the top of that 3-2 zone. It's been frustrating opponents. And so I'm really watching to see, will they use that? Again, maybe that's part of the reason there have been these second half surges. Mightn't she to employ that in the first half against Duke? We'll wait and see. Number three on the what to watch for is true freshman Paulina Paris. As you well know, if you've listened to me or other uh, Carolina women's basketball stuff, you know she is the only freshman on this roster. She has had some great games where she makes an impact in a big way, and I believe that she is a key for this one. The Tar Heels really need her to be an X factor. So watch for Paulina Paris and what type of role she plays. But here's the thing. Even if it's not her, there's got to be an unexpected boost from somewhere. For example, Sunday down the stretch against NC State, you know it came from Destiny Adams, those back-to-back threes, and also had a, a layup for eight points. And those were only eight points of the game, but it really helped put things away. Who is going to be that person for Carolina tonight against Duke? I think it's Paulina Paris. And then the fourth thing. We need the brightest stars to show up on the brightest stage. And, and what I mean by that, what's Deja Kelly going to do in this game, right? She is the one. She had an, uh, an off game by her standards on Sunday against NC State, just five points. And so I'm expecting a massive rebound, like 20 plus points in this game, just taking the team on her shoulders and saying, come on, ladies, let's go. But here's the thing. We talked about um, Duke's excuse me, Celeste Taylor, the leading scorer at 12.9 points per game. Well, Deja Kelly, Kennedy Todd Williams, and Alyssa Usby all average more points per game than does Taylor. So can can all of the starters who Carolina relies heavily on just get out and make a push and do good work? Carolina needs their stars to ball out and get back-to-back wins in back-to-back rivalry games what a week that would be for Courtney Bang Hart's team who currently is projected as a four seed in ESPN's bracketology well moving from men's basketball to women's basketball let's wrap up today with some football talk Drake May got himself some weapons in the transfer portal at receiver Uh, maybe some help replacing Josh Downs and Antoine Green Woo. Transfer Portal certainly helps with that. But before we talk about it, let me tell you that this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Hey, you're looking for a delicious treat, but you don't want all the fat and calories? You got to try a Built Bar. We just got through the holidays, and I know my goal is to eat healthier this year. And so if you're like me and you want to do that without compromising taste, Built Bar is the way to go. Because not only is it delicious, but it's also good for you in part because of the 100% real chocolate that covers every bar. Not only that, but these Built Bars come in unbelievable flavors like churro and peanut butter brownie. I don't know how Built does it, but these bars taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing macros. Only 130 calories, just four grams of sugar, and yet 17 grams of protein. And now you don't have to wait around on an order to come from built.com. Why? Because now Sam's Club and Walmart carry them. So you can just head down to your nearest Walmart or Sam's Club, grab yourself a box of these, and I promise you, you won't be disappointed. 
It is great to be joined on Locked on Tar Heels today by our guy, John Garcia Jr., our college football recruiting insider. It's been a minute because we've been in the midst of basketball season, but boy, it's January and it's time to start moving the needle towards spring practice a little bit. John, so great to have you in. By the way, we'd like to thank LinkedIn Jobs for being the official college football recruiting sponsor across the Locked on Network. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stakes wager for your small business. And that's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. So post your job right now at linkedin.com slash locked on college. Terms and conditions apply. And John, here's the thing. When we're talking Carolina football right now, it, it's Drake May and, and everyone knows that <laughs> he's back. And that's great news for Tar Heel Nation. But the thing is, there's one year left, and Mac Brown knows he cannot waste that. And so you got to get a line, you got to have run all of this around it. But in this last year of Drake May's tenure in Chapel Hill, what I want to start with today is wide receivers. And so the question is Carolina has these two transfer wide receivers coming in, Nate McCollum and Devontae Walker. And so, can these two wide receivers? Paired with what is already in the fold at Chapel Hill on this roster, are they guys that can help give Drake May a great last year in Carolina Blue? Short answer, yes, absolutely. Yeah, I, I think losing Green and then obviously Downs uh, is tough. A ton of production, absolutely. a ton of reliability. Uh, and I think the portal offers you a way to bridge those gaps about as, as well as possible. Heck, you played, you know, McCollum was hurt for that game, but he played against Georgia Tech. You, yeah. You've seen him in live and in color over the last couple seasons. Right. Um, so, yeah, I think this is a duo that could theoretically replace the, those big-time departures. Uh, and I think from a profile, athletic profile standpoint, look, Walker is your big physical outside vertical threat, new age modern receiver, which, you know, North Carolina has been – outside of downs kind of synonymous for developing right and then obviously you know McCollum is your slot I mean he is he's a returner he's a the running back he's a slot receiver I mean he's exactly the type of producer that downs was and if anything he offers you a little bit more versatility than downs mm -hmm. who was such a darn good route runner that you just kind of had to rely on him in that aspect I think with Nate you could probably see him factoring into punt returning and use him more on some gadget stuff. I mean, when Georgia tech was doing anything on offense, he was a part of it from a gadget <laughs> standpoint, jet sweep, bubble screen, just kind of getting him in position to make plays with the ball in his hands. So uh, I think these guys could absolutely help aid what, what Drake may wants to do in, in 2023, which is probably avenge some of these late season losses and, and get back on, on good footing with, uh, with the ACC. And, and I think these guys are great, replacements you don't you don't bring in these two Isaac to to sit the bench these guys had good situations I mean Walker was the number one guy at Kent State which had a breakout year uh, and look there's a lot of Georgia Tech folks that feel like Brent Key and that new staff is going to turn a new leaf and, and that's maybe he's the guy to do it so they left decent situations individually maybe not team wise but individually right right to come to, to to the bright lights of Chapel Hill to play with Drake May, let's be honest. So yeah, you're not going to bring those two in if you don't feel like they can bridge those gaps. Well, and that's a great point. And one of the things I wanted to ask you is exactly what you just said there, John. First off, Nate McCollum from my hometown of McDonough, Georgia. So I love that. I'm going to be all in on cheering for him. He's one of two Georgia Tech transfers, in fact, on this roster. Um, had three years of Georgia Tech. Nice thing. Both of these guys have two years of eligibility left. But one of the things with 
McCollum is it it's kind of hard to project um, because I mean you had a revolving door of quarterbacks three different quarterbacks for him at Georgia Tech last year none of whom are named Drake May and yet still had 60 receptions still had 655 receiving yards still had three touchdowns fifth most receptions in the as for Devontae Walker, you know, you've already talked about what a great year he had, but 58 receptions, 921 yards, 11 touchdowns, tied for seventh nationally. You know, great numbers. Let's, we don't have to keep uh, getting into the specifics of it, but how much of a level up is it to go from those two situations they were both in before? Like how much can a Drake May or any of these other top, you know, Bo Nix, CJ Stroud, whoever it is, mm-hmm. how much can they level up what you're trying to do as a receiver? Oh, it's 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 night and day uh, in these cases. I think with McCollum in particular, you mentioned it. Three different quarterbacks throwing him the ball on a struggling roster on both sides of the ball. He battled injuries. There was so much circumstance surrounding him in, mm-hmm. in 2022 that those numbers are even more impressive as, as you laid out. Yet and still, he's one of those guys as a slot in particular – I mean, his Twitter bio says route runner. That's it. It, it says nothing else on there. And, and that's reflective of what he yeah. does best. I mean, this guy can absolutely put himself in position to make plays with the ball in his hands and certainly before the ball arrives as a route runner. So when you have that at, at your disposal, it just makes things that much more comfortable. And relationship-wise, QB to wide receiver, it accelerates things. If, mm-hmm. if the rece- the quarterback has trust in where the receiver is going to be, that is half the battle. Uh, communication, plays, schematics, all that stuff will come over the next few months in spring and then, of course, thereafter for fall camp. But you can absolutely figure things out if you know A to B, at least McCollum will be there. And then for Walker, look, obviously played group of five ball, but everyone saw this Georgia game, right? Everybody saw <laughs> the <right>. breakout. Everybody <laughs> was watching other games and then saw the Kent State's Georgia score and said, what? And turned it over to that game at least for a minute and if you did you saw walker scoring in some capacity <laughs> against uga i mean the, the the 56 yarder he had there was a standstill screen where he is not even moving catches the ball and outruns the back-to-back national champion secondary i mean it is really impressive what he can do vertically at 6 395 pounds so that potential alone will surely help you upgrade because now all of a sudden he's bigger, stronger, faster than most guys covering him. What does that do? It's the opposite of McCollum, who's who's a technical route runner, a precise smaller player that you got to fit at this window. When it's Walker, more margin for error, wider catch radius, a guy you can just lay it up for and allow him to go pursue it at its highest point or its furthest point in, in a lot of different scenarios. So when those guys are paired with quarterbacks that understand that and are willing to do it. And look, we know Drake may is willing to light it up and push the ball down the field. It's something that becomes a no brainer. And for Walker in particular, I mean, look, Kent state had a a breakout year. Everyone hit the portal. The coach left to coach, to play, to coach under Dion Um, just a lot of turnover. So he comes home to to North Carolina, Charlotte native uh, makes a lot of sense when Drake may is there. I, I don't know if you get either of these guys with Drake may not being QB one. So all of that is in the plans and and each of them will attach themselves to Drake and Walker in particular, checking out some of the articles on him. He's got big aspirations. He's talking NFL. Yeah. Uh, you know, so you talk about the step up. He views this as a step through 
to Mm -hmm. the NFL and obviously linking yourselves with the preseason Heisman favorite because only one person's gone back to back. No disrespect to Caleb Williams. Drake (laughs) May is your preseason Heisman favorite um, in a wide open ACC. It it makes a ton of sense, especially when you talk about coming back home to Charlotte. Absolutely. Yes. That, that homecoming for Mr. Devontae Walker is a big deal. Let's not discount that, which we've seen time and time again in these early couple years of the transfer portal. And John, it's not like the cupboard is left bare with Josh Downs leaving and, and Antoine Green leaving. There's still Kobe Pesor who slotted in, forgive me for that pun, behind Josh Downs this year when he was out. There's a stud freshman, rising sophomore, Andre Green Jr. A couple other guys, you know, that had a bunch of reps like J.J. Jones and Gavin Blackwell, for example. And so it'll be interesting to see this wide receiver room develop and and having that depth will obviously pay dividends for the Tar Heels in 2023. 100%. This is, again, this is the arsenal, right? Uh, you, You think of all the reasons Drake May could have left and look, I'm sure you've covered this, Isaac. Those back <laughs> channels were working. Yes. People were were yes. checking in on Drake May's situation. Hey, is there any shot this guy hits the portal? Because if you saw the whole rest of the ACC starting quarterbacks, seemingly all hit the transfer portal. So Drake May was absolutely being inquired upon, to say the least. Um, <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a it's a big versatile group of wide receivers. You're going to bring these portal guys in and and try to transition with them seamlessly. And then yeah, of course that other crop has to step up simultaneously. If anything, these two guys put pressure on them immediately. That's right. right. Because everybody can kind of see the one-to-one of losing green and downs and now adding McCollum and Walker. So these other guys are like, hold on, we're we're here as well. So if anything, that that battle uh, throughout the spring will be great uh, and intense, and it will allow, in theory, everybody to take that collective step up, not just these two guys coming from other programs. Love to hear it. John Garcia Jr., thanks so much for tuning in and being with us. We will keep this going throughout the spring, looking at some of the transfer guys and the early enrollees. Great stuff. Thank you, my friend. Thanks for having me. That's it for today's episode of Locked on Tar Heels. Thanks so much to John Garcia Jr. for joining us, getting us up to date on both of these wide receivers, Nate McCollum and Devontae Walker. Best of luck to the ladies tonight as they host Duke Go Do Work. You can follow the show on Twitter at Locked on Heels. You can follow me at Isaac Shade. Shoot us an email at LockedOnTarHeels at gmail.com. Would love your nominations for Heel of the Week and Heel of the Week. I think we already got our nominee for the negative Heel of the Week. Uh, You might be able to guess who that is. Please also don't forget to subscribe to the show, smash the like button, and comment. People are coming in droves to the show. Thank you so, so much. For your next listen, check out Locked On College Basketball. Our experts, Isaac Shade, me, what? Hello, and Andy Patton bring you everything you need to know on and off the court. Plus, hear from big name experts, coaches, and players throughout the college basketball landscape. Locked On College Basketball, available on YouTube, Odyssey, and anywhere else you get podcasts. Hey, thanks so much for hanging out with me on a Thursday talking Carolina athletics. Great stuff happening. Tune back in for tomorrow as we get you ready for the weekend slate of what's going on. But until then, peace.